All right. I told my wife to kind of be brief. So I'm going to try to be brief this morning. We're excited about what the Lord is doing and, uh, and asking him to guide us this day. Amen. How many knows God's will is what's most important in our life? Amen. And uh, with that being said, uh, we have prayerfully, and I know you have, I know we have prayerfully anticipated this day, and we leave it in his hands today, and believing that as we've done that, that God's will will be done. Amen. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I want to share with you from the Word of God for a few moments. It might be a few short moments. It might be a few, few mediocre, medium-sized moments. Uh, it won't be mediocre, my wife said. But it'd be either some medium moments or some long moments. But we're going to have some good moments. Amen in God's house. Stand with me, if you will, and let's turn to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter number 3. I want to begin reading in verse number 14. This morning I want to deal with the church age that we're in today, the age that we are living in and how it relates to this particular church. The Bible said, And the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things say the amen and faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works. Somebody shout, God knows. Let me say that again. I know your works. God knows. And that's what's important to realize. I want you to keep that in your spirit throughout the entirety of this message today. That you are neither hot nor cold, cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you're lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich and have become wealthy and have no need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. It says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." I want to preach from this thought this morning, the lukewarm church age. It's Wednesday night. God laid upon my heart a message, and it was entitled, uh, Where Are the Grateful? Amen. Where are the ones God has touched? Where are the ones God has saved? Where are the ones God has healed? Where are the ones God has moved mightily in, in your life? Amen. Today, I was drawn to this particular Scripture, because of the age we're living in, uh, the lukewarm church age. Dear God, how many knows God can do a mighty work in the church even in this age we're living in today? Amen. Even in the, the age that we're living in. But the thing that we must get as we pray, we're going to pray, the thing that we must understand in the midst of this message uh, is that God knows. Amen. God knows. And the thing that we must pray is that God will let us hear what the Spirit is saying to us. 
and that our lives would be forever changed by it. Father, we ask you to add your blessing to the reading of your word. Hide your servant behind the cross of Calvary. Lord, each and every one that's here today, we pray, will receive some something in this message that will eternally touch their lives and change their lives. God, we pray that this message will not be taken as a judgment, Father, from the pastor, but that it would be taken as your word, Father, and the Spirit, Lord, would cause it to fall upon the ears and accomplish the work that the word is going forth to accomplish. We ask you, Lord, to touch those that are watching by social media that could not be here, and, Lord, they desire so greatly to do so. We're asking you, Father, even at the, uh, the, the, the election part of this service today, that your hand would be upon our lives, that our hearts would be surrendered to you, and we would hear, Father, and discern by your Spirit what we must do. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. We are living... In the lukewarm church age, sadly, it's not uh, just something we notice in our own particular locations, but I want to tell you that everywhere you go, there are pastors, there are Christians that are concerned about the time that we're living in. They begin to see that great falling away. I remember the day when I got saved. I remember how the Lord changed my life, and I fell so in love with him. Amen, and then life happened. Amen. A lot of times we don't understand how that the pressures of life can work against us to cause us to forget what's most important concerning our relationship with the Lord. Amen. And so this morning, we look into this scripture, we find that the Lord is coming to judge the church, and he's saying to this church in particular something that we can glean from the time we're living in today. Sadly, in this age, we're living in the age of complacency, in the age where people are unaware of the dangers of the journey that they're living. They are unaware of the Lord reaching out to them and trying to turn them from the paths of destruction. We're living in an age of complacency. We're also living in an age of indifference, living in a time where people just don't care anymore. Amen. Now, that's hard, but I'm just going to preach. Can I just preach it? People don't care anymore. Most importantly, they don't care about what the Lord desires for them. They have a lack of interest or concern, amen, toward God anymore. It doesn't matter. It's not important. And I want to tell you, when your relationship with the Lord begins to fail, your relationship with people will follow. Amen. When your relationship with the Lord will fail, your relationship with God's people will begin to follow. And you will find yourself living in indifference. We also find in this age we're living that folks are living in a time of self-sufficiency where they see that they need no help from God. I can do this all by myself. 
I don't need to go to church. I don't need to pray. I don't have to worship that way. I don't have to live that lifestyle. Amen. I got this under control. Uh, there are many today in this generation that are living with that mindset. They are living with a self-sufficiency that they have the control. But I'm telling you also we're living in an age of rebellion, in an age where men and women, if they're not careful, are, are just rebelling against God and his will and rebelling not only for their lives but for the church. We're living in that age. Today we come to find that the church of Laodicea had been heavily influenced by the culture in which it was situated. Everything that was going on in that particular land was affecting them in such a way that they were becoming self-sufficient in their mind, in their living, and in their ministry. They were wealthy. They were, they were blessed. They had everything they needed. And over time, it became more about them than it did about God. Come on, somebody. They were people who had it all together. If you went to their church, oh, man, you would say they got it all together. It looks good. Everything's falling into place. My goodness, everything's so fine-tuned and, and, and working like a well-oiled machine. But Jesus showed up one day to tell them, you may look like you got it all together, but inside you're spiritually bankrupt. Come on, somebody. He, he showed up to let them know that they were not spiritually where they needed to be with God. We're in a generation today, amen, that we could have so much more than what we have if we would grasp this in the Lord, amen, that our spirit man is far more important than anything we own, than any money we have in the bank, than any, come on, I'm, I'm, I'm about to help somebody this morning. It doesn't matter. Our spirit man is is the most valuable thing in our lives. Jesus viewed the church not as blessed in the physical realm, not as blessed in their finances because they could have it all, but there was a spiritual lacking within their life. The church was dead. The church was indifferent. The church, amen, had forgotten about what it was all about. And when I say the church, I want you to understand it comes right down to you and me because you and me are the ones that make up the church. Amen. He wasn't talking about a bankrupt building. He wasn't talking about a bankrupt roof. He was talking about the very hearts of those who made up the church. Those who used to be saved and drifted away. Those who used to have their eyes on God and drifted away. Why did they drift away? Well, anything could cause that. But what mostly causes that is when you are more concerned with your emotions and your likes and dislikes than and you are God and his will for your life. My goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost. Man, I, I didn't mean to preach this way, but I'm going to let the Holy Ghost, can, can I just let God have his way? Amen. Going to be short, medium, or long, but we're going we're gonna to have a good time because God has something to say. Notice that the word that he gave to Laodicea was not a word of comfort, it was a word of judgment in the beginning. It was a word that Jesus was calling them to to make them aware of what their focus should be. He called on them to rely on him above everything. I'm telling you, he is the life of the church. 
Amen. Jesus is everything. And in this particular age, in this church, and in this season, we find a parallel to where quickly, and not in word only, but in action, you begin to ask the question, where are the grateful? Where are the faithful? It's important today in this time that we, we understand from this story that the focus of this letter is a rebuke. How many knows the Lord has a right to do that? It is a rebuke from self-sufficiency. Touch somebody around you and tell them you can't do it by yourself. Amen. Somebody reach up there and point your finger at the pastor and say you can't do it by yourself. Come on, somebody. Just lift your hands on behalf of all the leadership. Amen everywhere. Here at Stoneville everywhere. You can't do it. We can't do it by ourselves. We know that. We recognize that. We cannot do it by ourselves. We're not self-sufficient. We must have his leadership and his guidance. And even in that, our carnality sometimes gets in the way, but he never changes. And when our carnality gets in the way, we cannot allow it to cause us not to hold fast to his unchanging hand. The point, amen, today in this message was a rebuke of self-sufficiency. It was to point out their lack of dependency on the Lord. Amen. And then thirdly, he sends this message to facilitate a return to fellowship with God. How many knows God wants to turn it around? If it's not going in the right direction, God wants it to turn it around. If your life is not going in the direction that's pleasing unto him and you're drifting away from him and you're becoming self-sufficient in your mind and indifferent in your mind and you're becoming complacent in your mind, God wants to turn it around. Let me go ahead and challenge you with this, with this thought that it must be turned around. Amen? We cannot sit back and just let the preacher preach and the Lord speak and do nothing. We must hear what the Spirit says unto the church. The problem with the Laodicean church, I call it the Laodicean church of God. I tried to call it the Laodicean IPHC church, and we could call it that too. We could also call it Laodicean Baptist church, Methodist church, Episcopal, it don't matter. But it was the Laodicean church a church that Jesus was addressing, whom he has every right to judge us. And it doesn't matter whether we want him to or not, he's going to do it. If we don't receive it here, we'll certainly receive it on the other side. He would be foolish. A person would be foolish not to let God's rebuke change us. Amen? Wouldn't it be so? For a person to continue to drive down a, a, a road of destruction, knowing, amen, to God that the Lord was speaking to them to turn around, but yet they refused to receive that rebuke and to allow him to save them and to deliver them from destruction, it would be foolish. Oh, because he knows the way that we must take. How many knows that he knows all about it? Give him glory if you want to. 
He knows all about it. He knows the way we must take, and we must realize that he knows the steps that we take in those, amen, journeys that we're making. He also today not only knows the way, the Bible declares that he is the way. He is the truth, and he is the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Now, at salvation, we have been saved, and, and we are sure for heaven because of the blood of Jesus Christ. But how many knows that as we follow him, we're making our journey to the Father? Amen. We're making our journey home. Glory to God. We're making our journey in the way, the truth, and the life, applying his truth to our way, to our minds, and to our feet, that we may follow in the ways of God. But in this particular church, as I said before, they were indifferent. Jesus said, I know your works. I know you're neither cold nor hot. I were that you were cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. That ought to be one of the most troubling scriptures for a Christian in their journey. It ought to be a signal and a sign that says, God, do not allow my life to become lukewarm and indifferent. They weren't cold. They weren't hot. The Bible declares, as Jesus was speaking to them, they were still going through the motions of the mission. But their zeal for the Lord was replaced today by self-satisfaction that rendered them to become indifferent to the true purpose of God. I want to tell you when a church and when people have, have begun to lose the focus of what reality is and what it's all about, above all, we become indifferent to it. We become, uh, amen, uh, to a place where we, we, we become lukewarm and we no longer feel the, 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 the revelation, amen, of truth anymore. It matters not as it once did. The Bible also declares that they were not hot. They had no desire for the Lord's will, only their own will. This is, this is what resulted in the Lord showing up to judge their situation, to judge their condition. And you know what the Lord says? He says, if you're lukewarm, if you've allowed yourself to drive, it don't matter to you anymore. He said, if that's where I show up and find you, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. In other words, Jesus said, I reject it and I detest now, when you begin to think about how they come up with the analogy of this, what caused Jesus to think about this, it, uh, that many of them talk about uh, from the northern part uh, up above Laodicea, they would draw hot water, and then from the southern part, they would draw cold water, and, and, and either one of them was, uh, was sufficient. You needed cold uh, for the time you needed cold. You needed heat for the things you needed hot water for, uh, and people, amen, would come together, and they would draw that water. If it came together, it would become lukewarm, and Jesus said, can nobody? enjoy lukewarm water. Come on, somebody. And ain't nobody going to be touched by your lukewarm Christianity. Come on, somebody. I'm, 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 I'm preaching. And nobody going to be touched by your lukewarm church services. Amen. But what they will be touched by, 
amen, to God is a fervency of the fire of God within our life. Glory to God, amen, that gives him a taste of the Lord. And the Bible said, oh, taste of the Lord and see that he is good. Amen. I want to tell you, if you want to affect somebody for the kingdom of God, and if your church is going to make a difference, it can't be lukewarm, and you can't be lukewarm. Because if you lukewarm, amen, it could cause your church to be lukewarm. And Jesus said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. I cannot accept that. I detest that. Futile efforts of a lukewarm church, amen, are not accomplishing. What's he looking for? He's looking for a church or a people. Not a building, but a people on fire. Not a church on fire. Have mercy to God how many churches have burned. Amen, accidents. Their buildings burned down, but the fire in the church still blazed on. Come on, somebody. When trouble came, my goodness, the fire in our hearts for the Lord still burned on. They thought they were good. They said, I don't have need of anything. I'm increased with goods, and I have need of nothing. They were full of pride. And the Bible said in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, that pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. The most dangerous state we can live in is say we need Jesus but live like we don't. Come on, somebody. The most dangerous state we can be in is to confess him with our mouth, but our hearts be far from him. Everything we do, somebody shout everything. Everything we do as a Christian should be about him. When we rise up in the morning till we lay our head to rest, it should be about living in a pleasing manner unto him, drawing near to him, and letting him guide us and letting his character become our character, his nature, our nature, amen, and beginning to, to, to just allow our daily lives to be consumed by the passion of his presence in us. We also begin to find out not only were they full of pride, but they didn't understand their true condition. This is where many have found themselves in this last day, in this lukewarm church age, not understanding their condition. It doesn't matter. Many things of God don't matter to them anymore. And it's affected their thought process. It's affected their faith. It's affected their love for their fellow man. It's affected their ability to forgive. It's affected their ability to be faithful unto the Lord. Many today have found themselves touched of God, yet like the ten lepers, they are part of the nine that never returned. They didn't understand their condition. Oh, everything's good with me. I've talked to people all the time. You, you don't see them in church for a while. You call them, you all right? Yeah. Everything's fine, preacher. Everything's fine. They ain't, they ain't not able to go. Come on, somebody. They ain't not able. I'm down. This is going to sound judgmental, but I'm just going to give you a little reality. In the Bible, they were crippled, but they still hung out by the temple door. Come on. In the Bible, they had trouble, but they, they could just get to Jesus. Come on, somebody. 
they had a man that, that was paralyzed. He couldn't even get that thing. And, and, and he called his buddies up and said, hey, well, we can't get there. The house is full. Well, we can go through the roof. We're going to get there. I talk to people all the time that says, oh, everything's fine, preacher, with me and God. But if it was fine, then where are they at in the service to God? Amen. We, we find ourselves, if we're not careful, treating Jesus like many folks treat the government as a handout. We've learned how to live with our hands out. And when we don't get with our hands out, we begin to push back and complain and murmur. But we ought to have our hands up saying, Lord, if you don't do anything else for me, you've done enough on the cross of Calvary, and I'm going to serve you till the day I die. Amen. If I'm crippled, I'm still going to show up. And, Lord, if I do ever get to a place where I cannot be faithful to you, let my heart support the faithful. Amen. Through prayers and all that I can do. But, Father, don't let anything stop me from my faithfulness unto you. It's an excuse today. We're living in the layout in the Laodicean church age where people have found excuse after excuse after excuse. Amen. To stay away from God and to not be faithful unto him. And the church is hurting. I want to tell you that at the general conference, we heard the statistics of the IPHC. I don't know if they talked about the general conference, but of the IPHC. And for years, for many years, I don't know the specifics. I'd have to go look it back up, but it just came in my spirit. But this this ought to be alarming. For many years before COVID now, before COVID, we have been in decline in the IPHC. Why is that? Because we've entered a lukewarm church age where people don't care anymore, where they become indifferent anymore, where church is about their agenda anymore and not about God's agenda anymore. If we can hurt the preacher, let's hurt the preacher. If we can talk about the council, let's hurt the council. If we can and talk about one another, let's talk about one another. But if we cannot lift up the name of Jesus, my goodness, we are finding ourselves in a broken state. No wonder the decline. We need churches on fire again, people on fire again that says, God, let my light shine for your glory. Come on, somebody. It's time to hang the phone up on gossip. It's time to hang the phone up on unfaithfulness. It's time to hang the phone up on indifference and self-sufficient and complacency and say, oh, Lord, stir the fire again in my life. Restore unto me the joy. But my salvation... They don't know their condition. And bless the Lord, a pastor can't speak into the heart of anybody anymore. You can't help it. You can't be a pastor if you can't speak into somebody's life. They get offended. Pastor speaks truth. Get offended. Listen. The Lord came 
not the pastor, the great shepherd. The great shepherd, he, he's the great pastor. He showed up to those seven churches. And he had something to say to every one of them. But to Laodicea, he came to speak into their heart. He let them know where they were. And they could either listen to what Jesus was saying to their heart or they could reject it. They did not know their true condition. We cannot allow ourselves, amen, to find ourselves living in the ignorance of our spiritual decline. How many believes, as I said before, before we got this message started, that it doesn't matter if we're in the lukewarm age or not. God can, God can do great and mighty things and resurrect life. Amen. It was under the persecution of it all, the greatest persecutions that, that those who put their faith saw a thriving in ministry and the reaping of the harvest. Number two, Christ offers the hope of resolve from their condition. You can stand with me if you will. I'm going to wind this on down, please. He gave them the hope of resolve. How many knows the day the Lord don't just want to tell you what you're doing wrong. He wants to tell you how to make it right. Why does he do that? Because he loves us. Just play softly if you will. He wants to tell you how to make it right. And, and so, you know, in the midst of what we find here in the Scripture, we find that he is encouraging them to make different choices. Amen. Today, there's some people you need to make some different choices. I don't know who you are. God does. You need to look over your life and say, hey, God, what are you saying to me? And then not shut God out. Let God speak truth to your life. Receive that truth in your life. And if there's something there that he needs to turn around, let him turn it around. Let him have his way. He said, I want you to invest in things that are eternal, not temporal. Another reason we see that decline is because people are going after the world and not going after Jesus. One day it's going to be a time when nothing we have in this life is going to matter. Only the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. Amen. Not your house, not your clothes, not your car, not your money, not your circumstances. Oh, thank God for the blessings of meeting our needs. But our spiritual needs are the most important. He says that one day there will be those that will be gathered together at the marriage supper of the Lamb. They're going to have on white garments. He said, I'm telling you, it's time to invest in things that are eternal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And also put on that white raiment. And anoint thine eyes with salve that thou mightest see not through the eyes of pride or through the eyes of the world, but that thou mightest see how to walk in obedience and faith in Jesus again. 
We need a spiritual vision for repentance, holiness, service, and lost souls. Amen. We need that vision again. We need to put on the ISAV again. And then thirdly, there's hope in spite of because of his love. Today I want you to understand that this was not a light warning unto the church at Laodicea and it's not a light warning from God to the age we're living in now. We're living in a time where some things have to change. Amen. And that change must first begin in us. And today, there's nothing God can't do. There is nothing God can't turn around in our lives and in our hearts that will bring honor and glory to him. I want to ask you this question for a moment. Every head bowed for a minute. No one looking around, please. I want to ask you this question for a moment. Is it God's, is it your will for God to be glorified in your life? Have there been some stinking thinking in your life? Have there been some attitudes? Have there been some neglect? Have there, there been some indifference and, 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 and complacency? Have you become self-sufficient in your journey? Uh, whatever it is, whatever the Lord's speaking to you today, just lay it all before him. He already knows. He's already certainly aware of where you stand and I stand today. Now the great victory is going to be when we respond to him with faith and surrender. There's hope in spite of him because of his love. He said, as many as I love. Somebody said, thank you, Lord. He loves us. Oh, how he loves you and me. He gave his life. What more could he give? Don't go nowhere. You're doing a good job. I'm just saying. Oh, how he loves you and me. You know, he ain't, he ain't looking to get on the phone and criticize you to all your friends and buddies. Come on, somebody. He comes to you and says, I love you. I already know what's, what, 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 what's there and what's not there. I love you. Come on, somebody. Ain't nobody going to love you like Jesus. Jesus is not going to try to destroy your character. He's not going to try to go around and destroy the church. He wants to help the church. He, he loves the church. He's married to the church. Come on, somebody. He wants to change our lives and to cause the church to rise up in glory unto him. And say this, he loves us too much to let us go. He keeps on knocking. Today I want to close with this thought. In the, in the interest of time, but at the same time, in the interest of God's word and his will to say you don't have to leave here lost and you don't have to remain lukewarm. If you're lost, you can be saved. If you're lukewarm, you can be revived. But you've got to be willing to hear what the Lord says. You've got to be willing to say, Lord, have your way in me. God, whatever's wrong, let me, 
Let me, Father, accept and own my faults and my failures, things I've done. God, I just ask you to forgive me. Lord, I ask you to help me. Lord, restore me to a clear vision. Lord, restore me. God, to come and buy eternal things. Come and invest in eternal things. Restore me, God, to put on that white raiment and restore me, Father. I need you. If you're in this house this morning and you say, Preacher, in this message today, as condensed as I tried to keep it, and I could have preached it for two hours, the central theme of the message is you don't have to be lukewarm. When he asked the question, where are the grateful? When he asked those ten lepers, he said, where? There was ten of you. Where's the other nine? Where are you at? Where do you stand with God? Do you know Christ as your Savior? Have you accepted him in your life and then over time life got a hold of you and you just allowed yourself to become complacent through all that was dealing with in life? Is that, I don't know where you're at. Only you know. God knows. Certainly God knows. But while every head's bowed, every eye's closed, just for a moment, I want to challenge you today. If there's anyone says, I don't want to be that lukewarm person, I don't want to be that lukewarm church, I refuse to be. Amen. Don't matter whether you whether you've allowed yourself to get that way or whether you're not that way. You say, preacher, I am not, don't want to be, or I am, and I don't want to be no more. Whatever the case may be, you're making a stand for Jesus right now. I hear your call. You will not accept the lukewarmness of my life, and I don't want to get that way. Amen. I want to be a, a, a life that is burning for Jesus. This altar's open. Will you step out in declaration right now, real quickly? We're going to pray. I don't want my church or my life to be a, 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 a saw as a lukewarm, powerless, amen, futile, lifeless condition that is not accomplishing unto the Lord. Lord, I love you today. I thank you for these that have joined with me today. As I stand here, I also declare, Lord, I don't want to be that way. There are those around this altar that are saying, God, I surrender it to you. I will not, Father, by your grace, allow myself to become lukewarm. And if I, I have any here today that are watching by social media that are gathered around these altars, that they choose to say, I'm not, I'm not going to be lukewarm any longer. Lord, forgive me for my indifference. Forgive me. Lord, restore unto me, as David said, the joy of my salvation. Restore unto me, Father, the, the love that I once felt for you, that I once had for you. And God, help me to engage again. And Lord, to get my roots deep and keep my faith in you, that I might grow even stronger in you. Lord, sanctify me. Fill me again with thy Holy Spirit and use this vessel for your glory. Let me in this last day, Laodicean age, be a man or a woman that you'll find faithful to the cause. Lord, that I've returned to my first love today and say, God, I give it to you. Lord, I believe, Father, that you're speaking to and you're touching each and every man, woman, boy, and girl that has come today to say, Lord, don't let me be indifferent. Don't let me get to that place in my life. Uh, Lord, use this vessel. Work 
work through this vessel. Let me be a child of God, Lord, that lifts up the name of Jesus, not only in word, but also, God, in, in my actions and in, in all that I do. Father, let me reflect your glory. I pray, Holy Spirit, breathe only each one today. Father, Lord, just give them a fresh touch of your glory. A fresh touch of your glory. Lord, let it sweep across this altar today. Let your presence be felt. And Lord, let the confirmation, Lord, of your grace and love lodge in their spirit as they have touched heaven today with their hearts. God, we give you the glory. We give you the praise. Can somebody just praise him right where you're at? Just give him a hand clap of glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody say it with this. Uh, listen, we may be in the church of Laodicean church age, but thank God the fire still burns. Amen. And Jesus is still changing lives. And I believe not only at Stoneville, but churches everywhere, that we're going to see an increase before we see, amen, the coming of the Lord, which could happen at any moment. We're going to see it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. In Jesus' name, we love the Lord today. Father, continue to touch those that are still here around the altars. Father, continue to minister to their hearts and their lives. Amen.